0: Ian, what's going on today? What are we doing today?
1: It's Christmas time on a street called Jubilee. Blue's cooking chicken and collard greens, rice and stuff and macaroni and cheese, and Jake's putting gifts under Christmas trees. It's Christmas time. In the drunk tank. In the drunk tank. This is Jubilee Street. Every week we reference a Run DMC song and then talk about a poke song. This week it's fairytale of
0: drunk tank an old man said to me
1: Won't see another
0: one And then I sang a song The rare old mountain you I
1: turned my face away And dreamed about it. So Blue, the intern dog,
0: everyone out there listening you're probably oh sorry ian and i we got our show notes mixed up ian go ahead well
1: i'll just blue the intern dog this is the kind of shit you get when you don't pay your interns uh has just passed me a note saying that this isn't a nick cave song yeah blue i know
0: what oh yeah yep she's just told me the same thing (laughs) i guess she sent you a telegram so
1: we wanted to do a little christmas episode um In the spirit of the holidays. And we were actually throwing around different classic Christmas songs we could do since Nick Cave doesn't really have one. And this was a song we had brought up as a possibility. And then on the Red Hand Files this past Monday, Nick Cave wrote about the song. So it was like, you know, destiny. We were like, we have to do this episode on Fairy Tale of New York. So that's what we're doing.
0: Yeah, it was uh, pretty weird to see that just happened to pop up like a couple of days after we finished that episode. And we had been kind of talking about doing it. Um, So it just seemed kind of serendipitous that we ought to talk about the song. It's kind of Nick Cave adjacent. And listening to it, I can definitely see that he is a huge fan of this band because they, I mean, I hadn't listened to the Pogues much. So this was like one of the first songs I think I've heard by him. But they are great songwriters, I'll say that much.
1: Yeah, the Pogues are like a classic punk band. I would say they're like right at the level under the Clash and the Ramones and the Sex Pistols. Like on that second tier of like Buzzcocks, Joy Division kind of bands. But I feel like in America, right, like people of our age don't really like the Pogues. Because we associate like Irish punk with the Dropkick Murphys who suck, and they kind of ruined it, even though the Pogues came way before them and are way better. I feel like um, a lot of people just have this connotation of Irish punk as being bro-y and not very cool. But the Pogues are great. Um, Nick Cave did a well cover of Louis Armstrong, What a Wonderful World, with Shane McGowan, the singer of the Pogues. So they have that history of working together. So yeah, we thought this would be a good song to do.
0: Um also uh if you have a favorite Christmas song in general and you wanna tell us about it, you can direct message us on Instagram at Jubilee Street Pod, and you can email us at jubilee Street Pod at gmail dot com and let us know.
1: Yeah, I love Christmas music. But let, let us
0: know if you have any like idea like yeah.
1: What kind of Christmas music do you like? We're not gonna do an episode on it. I think this is enough, but I would still love to know. So let's dive right into like probably what the meat of this is going to be so this is one of the most popular christmas songs i'd say like of the modern era in europe i think it is the most popular christmas song you know i think it's like what the mariah carey song is to america you know so every couple years there's controversy especially the bbc with different radio stations They play this song and, you know, they have to decide, are we going to edit it or not? Specifically, the use of the words slut and faggot in the song. And I think this year they are censoring it. I'm not really sure. But that was the crux of what Nick Kaye was writing about on the Red Hand Files this week. He thought that it was, you know, basically a travesty to edit this song. Um... Take, he thought taking those words out ruins the impact of the song and takes away some of the magic. So, I figured we'd start there. That's probably, in 2020, the most like, pertinent thing about this song right now. So, what I want to ask you, Jake, is... All right. I feel like it leads to an interesting... like, discussion of just how you consume music. So I don't think either of us would agree with censorship in general. Like, that song should be allowed to exist as it was written. I think the characters in the song are supposed to be kind of, you know, on the fringe of society, the guys in the drunk tank, you know, kind of people who have been marginalized, and they're written how those people would actually talk. Those are words that they would actually say. I don't think the song should be censored but you run into an interesting thing where if it's going to be on the radio and you're going to hear it in stores out in public where you're not like consciously deciding to listen to it maybe it should be edited like maybe that word's really hurtful to gay people and if they're just out shopping they don't want to hear it without like choosing to put it on you know what i mean so it's kinda it's it's a catch twenty two. Like yeah. do you do you censor um, the song or not? I really don't know. I think Nick Cave came off a little bit like old man ish in his response, like being so hardcore. I mean he is in his sixties, it's a different generation. I don't think I fully dis or I fully agree with Nick Cave, but I definitely get the points he was making. I wouldn't say them in that way.
0: So I think there's a lot of people who listen to music and understand and, and also, so let me say my first point who can listen to music and understand that people are playing a character and that they're trying to create a certain narrative and tone. And when you use the, like when you use a gay slur and you use the word slut, you create a, a certain feeling and vibe. I think we're in a time where, you know, anytime if, if you're a decent person and you're not, you're actively trying to not be racist and you hear somebody say the N word or any word that's derogatory towards someone for, for a factor of their life or body that they can't control it makes you sick. It should, it should, I, it should hopefully make you sick to your stomach and, you know, you vehemently disagree with the use of that word. Um, but on the other hand, I think that the impact of those words will be, the song will be less effective without them. And I, so that's kind of the thing is there's there's no there's only one right answer to this, which is if you are gay and you hear that word, I, I can't really speak on slut. I think that's kind of up to women and anyone that uh, identifies as a woman to make that decision for themselves. Uh, I, I I can't speak on that, but I will say that in like unless you're gay, you really have no like business using the word or any slur and if you are it's got to be in a way that's um i think what they were trying to do with fairy tale of new york which is to create a certain vibe a certain um tone and this song feels very 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 much like a fairy tale it feels very much like a warped skewed like nasty fairy tale where these like couple who are in love are whacked out on drugs and alcohol they have this like big grand idea of what Christmas is in New York and you know lo and behold it's like they're both pretty nasty people who are at a low point in their lives and they love each other and it's very relatable like we've all been in arguments with significant others or you know boyfriends or girlfriends and we say things that we shouldn't have said we say things we, that we shouldn't have mean and Um, so I think that the song is effective. The song is effective in that way, but I don't, I, I, I think that I have another thing to add about the gay slur in there, but, uh, you go ahead. Well,
1: all I was going to say is, you know, they have four minutes or however long the song is they're about to tell this fairy tale. Four minutes is a long time, so you have to use some shortcuts to build this narrative and to do this world building. So by using those words, it's a very effective shortcut into feeling authentic, into setting the scene, because you're like, oh shit, a normal Christmas song does not use language like this. So it like really hits you.
0: Exactly. I think that um, it's jarring, and it switches the tone, and I think you get kind of the you get the intro where it's just Shane kind of lamenting and, uh, you know, the piano. And I don't know if you, how much you read about the production of this song, but this is a true like studio wonder because they were working on this song for a long time. And then they had a female vocalist who came in to record. They didn't like how it turned out. They were like rewriting things. And then their producer's girlfriend came in, um, Kirsty McConnell, I think is her name, or McCall, M A C C O L L, and they were like, "This is it. This is the voice of the person in the duet with Shane." But Shane didn't know how to play piano, so in the video,
1: <laughs> if you see
0: him at the piano, it's just him sitting at it, but they don't ever show his hands.
1: Oh. And when they do
0: show the hands, it's the it's one of the guys in the band who can play the piano. So
1: oh, I love
0: it. Uh, sloppy punk energy to this song that's really really it's there's a lot of cool like behind the scenes stuff that I think makes it it is when you read about stuff like that and that this is that these guys who are I don't I don't know much about the Pogues like where they're all at now they are living off of this song now they generate for sure money from this through royalties like this is this is what a musician dreams of like being able to play music and get paid. And now they're all, or at least Shane, and a couple of them are all set for life or at least comfortable. Um, and they basically were just like some punks going in the studio, like trying to write a song about being in the drunk tank. And they it, 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 that's really an, an interesting part, but not to get too off topic. So going off what we were saying about the use of these Uh, words, and they're both incredibly offensive if used in a way to hurt, and I also kind of have to throw out that this came out in 1987, which was around the times that the AIDS crisis was going on. Reagan was in office, um, or I think he was about, he was probably in, in between his He was on his last term before Bush senior took over and it seems kind of tactless, even in 1987 that you would have a song that used that word because you know, that's the thing is like, I'm not gay. If I hear that word, I'm like, Ooh, that's, that's not a, that's not a great word. That's hard. That's hurtful, but it doesn't direct. No one ever said that to me to hurt my, I mean, They did, but it's different, I think, if you are being attacked in a way that you can't control, like you're just being yourself and somebody calls you that. So I think like for some people hearing it, it might just be a reminder of like an awful memory. And I don't agree with censorship, but I think the song should exist as it is to be criticized. And if you don't like the song and you hear it on the radio, turn it off. I, I, I don't, It's not like we're playing Heart of Darkness like they're not reading Heart of Darkness like ad nauseum on BBC like that would be fucked up. But to me, this song is it's gonna stand the test of time. It's a time capsule to a very specific band and feeling.
1: I wanna say that I'm sure we have people listening right now that are gay. If you feel like, you know, sharing please email us jubileestreetpod at gmail.com and let us know what you think. I would love to know. Like Jake said, we're too straight, guys. Our opinion really doesn't matter. This is just for the sake of discussion over this podcast. No one should, like, base their opinion off what we are saying. It's more just a means to maybe spur you to think about it. But what's really interesting right now is if you go to... The uh, If you watch the music video on YouTube, there are hundreds of comments just within the past month because of this controversy, and I was, like, kind of just scrolling through some of them, and a lot of them are from gay people. I mean, who knows if it's legit or not, but it's from people who say they're gay, saying almost unanimously that it's not offensive to them at all, and that this is just another example of, like, straight people trying to tell gay people what should be offensive and, you know, if they're exactly. if they're commenting on a Pogue's video, they're probably a fan of the song to begin with, so take it with a grain of salt. But that is something to think about, you know. I have gay family members. I know we both know and are close to gay people, and I don't know if any of them really find this kind of stuff offensive. Like you said, this is clearly a song about a character who's like a criminal or at least a drunk and not the best dude using a gay slur. It's not someone being homophobic. It's someone writing from the perspective of someone. I also just saw that
0: the F slur means lazy in old Irish Irish slang. So that kind of clears it up for me. I, I think. I mean, I don't
1: think he meant it. This might have is... been some like, clever wordplay, but I think he meant it in the way we would say it.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I'm I, I pretty much kind of la- laying at the hands of what gay people are going to say about this because I agree. It's not, like you said, it's not really for us to decide. And also, it's like, dude, fuck BBC. Like, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, like, You're going to, like, fuck, what's the word I'm thinking of? Censor this song. But, like, what else have you done? Like, you're going to censor a song. Like, there really is a problem with this performative nature, you know, post-George Floyd. post We're not post at all, really, but... After these these big wave of Black Lives Matter and everywhere in the in the in the country and, and in the world there are protests against fascist regimes going on. And it's very like fulfilling and 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 it it it's fills my heart to see people fighting for their rights. And I think that this is just one of those things. It's like. It's like when they took the blackface episode of community off, which wasn't even really a blackface episode. It's just like, are you guys really doing anything to help anyone with that? You're censoring a show, you know it's it's why I think like, I think every single f- false thing Donald Trump has said and will say should be flagged by Twitter if somebody is actually checking it, but we are entering a really... Difficult time where it's like if we're okay with censoring that fucking jackass What's gonna happen when like like if we share something that gets censored that they don't like, you know and like Twitter and YouTube and Facebook and and you know BBC and these major broadcasting services have way too much power to do this It's not my decision to choose if that word should be said. I think gay people will have to make that decision I personally I'm not bothered by it. I think the song should be played uncensored for other pe- for other people to rate, review, make their own decision about. And I think that you're not giving people enough credit if you're trying to like like, "Oh, I don't want you to fe- I don't want this to make you feel bad" cuz you don't know most people don't care. Like there's probably most people who are like, "Oh yeah, whatever, you know." Like, I got called that as a kid. It sucked, but Uh, life goes on and then some people it's really impacted they turn the song off they're like fuck that song Mm -hmm. i'm never gonna listen to it
1: i mean there's i don't know if it's if it's more or less simple than that there's a place for a censored version like you know we used to work at that comic book store together and um we could make we could uh, listen to cds in the store so i had a christmas cd i had this song on there but i put a censored version where you know the lyrics are changed to like uh haggard instead and you know i get that in like a store where there's like little kids looking at comic books like you know you don't want to subject them to that but i don't know if like widespread this song should be censored and if the radio i don't know what the radio laws are in england i mean there's really so much where we're just like kind of talking out of our ass but like if they're allowed to say like bitch and shit and stuff if they're allowed to say everything except for fuck on the bbc which is kind of how the radio is here then i don't know if that word should be censored i don't know i mean i don't really think any word should be censored really but
0: yeah that's the thing is like people should be allowed to self-censor yeah like yeah you're white there's certain, if you're white, there's certain words that you just don't get to say. You don't, you don't, you're not like if you, and if you do, then you're, that's it. Like you're over here. We don't want any part of you until you figure out what's going on with you. Like go do your shit over there. Don't hurt anyone. Just shut up. And then you got people who are like, that's the thing is like, there are agreed upon boundaries that people set with themselves and with other people they know. And then eventually, that's what societies and civilizations and government should be built around, ideally, mm-hmm. right? So I think that in my almost 30 years of life, I think that this song should be available uncen- uncensored. And if you're playing it in a department store or a, anywhere that it's like better to just keep things less taboo. Nice. And the thing is, is like, um, I watched there's a really good version of this that you told me about before we recorded uh on that Bill Murray Christmas yeah. special on Netflix. <laughs> and they censor it and it's really and it's they they just completely cut out that verse and you don't even really yeah. notice. And once that verse is gone, this is just a perfect Christmas mm-hmm. song. And while I think that that verse adds a lot of character to the narrative of this song and I think all of this kind of ties into everything we've talked about regarding Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds and uh, the birthday party and Grinderman Man up to this point. Is that like there's a very certain way to interpret this song? There's a like the, the band means for people to interpret this in a very particular story. Nick Cave's music is the same way. If you go into Stagger Lee with the wrong impression, right. you are going to leave Stagger Lee <laughs> very offended for sure. You know, and and that's the thing is, like, once you put something out there, like, it's always going to mean something different to someone else. So, you know, I'll take free expression over censorship, but I do think that the Pogues, if they weren't prepared, they should prepare now that they're going to have to – they're going to get asked questions about this. I like, think
1: they've been- they're, they've been know, getting questions about it since they released the song and what's funny is that in the late 80s yeah the uh controversy was over the use of the word ass was whether or not to censor that yeah <laughs> and now it's completely flipped
0: well it was arse. Yeah, yeah like and it's funny I guess in I guess in Britain or uh at whichever radio station was they wanted to like put it down. They they wanted to like change it from arse to ass because I guess arse is more offensive or something. Uh, okay, but know you know, I don't know. I don't know how things yeah. are in the UK. We've already said that a million times, so I don't know what is more or less
1: offensive. So but... I think let's let's tie anyway. Let's tie a bow yeah. on that aspect of it, like we said, we don't have any answers. And if you are comfortable reaching out and want to, and you're gay, please do. We would love to hear from you. And even one step further, if you would like us to like discuss what your thoughts on next week's episode, we can do that and kind of further dis- this discussion. Um, so let's just move on to the song as a whole. I want to tell you what this song makes me think of, Jake, because it makes me think of you a lot. This is one of my favorite Christmas songs of all time. I probably first heard it like in middle school or high school. And... I love it so much more now as an adult. This song very vividly makes me think of when me and you lived together in our late teens, early twenties, and we just had no money. We were hungry and dehydrated all the time. Felt like shit, and we didn't. Like we didn't even. That's just how things were. We didn't even know that like later on in life we wouldn't always feel like that. It was just kind of like how we lived like, three hours of sleep a night, you know. This song takes me to those days so vividly. But, like, on Christmas, Christmas still feels special, even though, like, I, like, maybe had $50 in my name and always just, like, felt gross and dirty. But something about just, like, driving through Old Louisville or, like, seeing lights like even though we probably were cynical and thought Christmas was stupid there's still something that feels joyous about it and this song just makes me feel all those feelings and I love it I
0: didn't have those uh thoughts because I had never heard this song and I'm surprised like being around you know especially like tyler and cody all the time like this is this just reminded me so much of cody Mm -hmm. because i feel like a lot of the music he liked had such a celtic tinge Mm -hmm. to it which i think had less less to do with celtic and more so like just very like just very i'm trying to think of the word just like braggadocious punk you know like this just feels very like it has a very particular inflection, and it's very tough and, like... Well, I mean, Cody... You know, somber Cody could have been in the kind Pogues. of solemn and sad. This was the
1: kind of shit he listened to nonstop. He, he yeah. dressed like he was in the Pogues. He bought a banjo at some point, he, I think, it, yeah, probably to learn Pogue songs.
0: Yeah. There's a very, like, specific vibe to this song that reminds me of that time a lot because... And it's funny because, like there wasn't ever a time where I was in danger of not eating or anything. I think it's just, you know, I was in college and wanted so desperately to not be relying upon my parents to feel like I wasn't like a sheltered kid. So I would just be dehydrated and not take very good care of myself and just kind of, you know, hope to meet somebody at a Christmas party. And, you know, I remember those were the days where, I would invite people over to the apartment, and they they all came over. And I think I'd had so much whiskey that I just fell asleep on the floor. And they just like <laughs> well, as up soon they got
1: there.
0: <laughs> Dude, I, I yeah, I mean we were. I feel like we were like. I remember. I I don't even really remember that. I night don't remember night that. Night. I don't know if I was I mean, there. It was or a long not, time ago. But, but, that's
1: hilarious. but it,
0: it's it's so pu- it's so perfectly like in tune with yeah, the song. Yeah, that is the vibe and of the song. It was Christmas time too. Like I remember. I remember, I wish I had a, I really would love to get like a, a photo of it. I think probably Corey has it somewhere, but there's a photo of, of us and Corey's got this, uh, has got this, you remember this photo? It's a, it's the Christmas photo. Oh we took yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, very And well. it's got, it's got Corey wearing that tweed jacket. Mm-hmm. You remember oh, yeah. that? Oh, my God. We got to find a picture of that. That's so good. Other than
1: ending um, up in the um, drunk I'm gonna tank
0: message Corey about that tonight, on but,
1: Christmas, like other than getting arrested for being drunk on Christmas, your story is the best encapsulation yeah. of this song possible. Having a Christmas party at your house and then getting too drunk yeah. to have the party and falling asleep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I'm I wouldn't go so far as to say it was a party, but yeah, I mean, basically it was a, it was a gathering of people. It was Christmas time. And, uh, I (laughs) mean, back then, as soon as I would get home from work or school or both, I would, you know, there was always somebody drinking something or smoking something. And, you know, I, I I definitely, I I, I don't do any, I really don't do any drugs or like I drink alcohol very infrequently now. Like I might have a beer But that shit just once you stop doing it all the time and then you try to do it again, it feels worse and worse as you get older. It's just I my like my brother still drinks a lot. And I'm like, it's going to catch up with you eventually Mm -hmm. because I just got tired of feeling like shit all the time. And I kind of noticed that I already am kind of an anxious like I can get into like depressive states and stuff just from my own like genetics and heritage. So it's like mixing that with alcohol and weed now it just i could ruin an entire day so back then i i I think you just everybody tells you when you're a kid that you're gonna take for granted how resilient you are and you are fucking resilient you can live off of mcdonald's for like one meal every day and still like go mosh at a show then you stay out all night and go to the bars or go to your friend's house go to and, class the next day you know sing and dance and like and you just yeah you just like smell like wine <laughs> and you go to class the next day and you're like sweating you're like i, I used to go to class like hung over after before i moved in with you and uh chad and um i would stay the night there and i would just be just I'd have like a like a flannel on and a coat And I'd be walking to school because I would park my car down by your all's house and just walk. And it would be cold outside. And I would just be drenched in sweat (laughs) in my class, like just like fighting off the alcohol and probably farting and like feeling like I was going to throw up. He just didn't care. You know, I think there was one time I had to go to like a. Well, like I said, you're But resilient. if you were in that you know, situation you, you go now, to the Papa John's on campus. But
1: now, if you're in that situation, you'd probably be so self conscious and like it would just be horrible. It's awful. It's and awful. I think most people. Yeah, it's, it would be a nightmare. Most honestly. people listening probably have, you know, a somewhat similar situation in their life when they were young, if not entirely the same. And most of us evolved as we got older. The difference is the characters in this song were led to believe didn't, and this is where they ended up. You know, this guy's in the drunk tank on Christmas.
0: Ian, let me ask you, how the fuck is this such a popular Christmas song? That's what I don't... This song is so fucking sad. So, like,
1: kind of the iconic American Christmas song of our time is Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas Is You, which I guess could be taken as, like, kind of a sad song because, you know, she's saying, I want someone I don't have... But it's it's not that sad of a song. That's what's fucking crazy about this song is like it should not be an iconic pop Christmas song. There are there's this foul language, these characters are like the kind of people most like you can imagine rich people like singing along this song who if they met these people on the street would not look them in the eye. But they probably love the song. It makes no sense why this song is a hit. Did you see the story where this song was only written because Elvis Costello was producing the Pogue's record and he told Shane, I bet you can't write a Christmas song mm-hmm. and this is what he wrote.
0: Yeah, it was a bet. That's that's another little cool like lore of this song, is it's like it was so close to never existing. And then it was willed into existence by a bet. I think some of the greatest pieces of art have been willed into existence by a bet.
1: Well, so much the great artist like trying to top other and, people. Like, I make my best shit when I'm like, when you do something really awesome and I'm trying to like top it or something like that, you know?
0: Anytime you send me something or Mike sends me something, I get like, quietly angry for like five minutes i think that's healthy i'm like fuck yeah. this is really I get the good same way. and then i'm then and then obviously i'm stoked and like i'm like guys it's so yeah. good because then i want to go write something myself you know so it's a good thing i think like anyone who has an ego is an art anyone who's an artist probably has a little bit of an ego and you got to feed that ego sometimes to like you got to get a little jealous if you get like you, and if you harness the jealousy in the right way. So, what I'm Mike, saying, is, Mike, who was
1: on the Helpless episode, go back and listen to the Helpless episode that Mike was on. One of the best songwriters, nice of our time. Nice
0: cross, nice cross promotion there. Yes, go l- listen to Helpless. It's a Neil Young episode. Nick Cave covered a Neil Young or a Crosby, Still's Nash and Young song. Mike Stewart's on it. One of the greatest songwriters of our generation. Check him out. So what I'm going to say is that I think this is the most Christmas song ever because I think that every Christmas in my late teens, early 20s always ended with me being at some friend's house or being at a Christmas party or just still being with my parents. But it's the end of the day. It's night. You're kind of sad, you know, the the, the garland and the mistletoe and the cookies and you know, my mom always made a nice dinner, so... What would your mom make for if we Christmas dinner? we were at my dinner? mom's, you know... What was, were, what was
1: typically at the Curtis household on Christmas dinner?
0: So, what I always wanted her to make was baked load, loaded baked potatoes. Okay. So, we'd have potatoes with bacon, cheese, chives, like that whole thing. She'd put them in the oven, you know, the cheese would get all crispy. And then she would make filet mignon. And then we had, like, bread and you know broccoli and stuff like that but you know i don't really care for my uncle anymore uh when i was a kid i didn't really know about how much of a shithead he was but uh, he used to make some really incredible christmas dinners like he had like cornish hens one year which felt really fancy and you know they'd make like a christmas ham and uh my aunt always had the best christmas treats display and she had these like white chocolate pretzels that she would make and she made everything i'm pretty convinced like she bought a lot of stuff but she did make a lot of the the treats at least that's what i remember being told and i mean i was lucky you know my my uncle had some sort of crazy like back problem that he got and he still is employed by ford in the union which is hilarious to me that he's in a union but he, he's voted for donald trump and he's like such a pest about that stuff because i feel like a union is such a social socialist idea right you would think in some ways i don't know you would think so without going on too long this song is it's like christmas is sad like so many people are alone so many people drink on Christmas. Christmas is a big alcohol holiday. A lot like you always hear before Christmas, like the EMTs and the police are always out in mm-hmm. full force because there's drunk driving.
1: There's, you know, it's... Well, and a lot of times... I This song is so wonderful. I think a lot of times like... Go ahead. What we love about Christmas is Christmas time. And then a lot of times, yeah, Christmas can be yeah. kind of sad because a lot of us have family drama and there's like arguments and fights or maybe you're single and after you're with your family you go home when you're alone or any number of things there's usually like a sad or you're just alone you're just alone there's usually a sad moment on christmas day i think it's christmas time that we love maybe more than the day itself and this song that's why the song is so i think resonates with so many people because it captures not only the joy and there's all there's a little Irish pan flute playing the like happy melody, and there's all these like really happy, exhilarating parts, but there's also that sadness that comes with Christmas.
0: Yeah, and I think it's worth noting that this band really gets it. Like they got the vibe 100. percent They got it right. This the music's really good. There's some iconic lines like the boys of the NYPD choir were singing Galway Bl- Gal. Galway Bay, is that what it is? Yeah, it's like an old Irish song. The rare old. Then he sang a song. The rare old.
1: Now, Mountain did you Dew. see the little anecdote um, about the music video for this song with the choir?
0: Oh yeah, so the choir didn't know the song. They were just singing. A they different were saying the Mickey Mouse. the footage down, so it looked like they were, they were singing were. the
1: Mickey Mouse Clubhouse song because yep. they didn't know this Irish song. Yeah. So
0: good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. That's what I'm talking about. There's so much funny trivia about this song. Like, uh, well, I mean, They met Matt Dillon, was a huge fan of this song, so they met Matt Dillon. Like, he came backstage <laughs> at one of their shows in New York, and that's how Matt Dillon is in the music video because he like, uh... personally was friends with Shane McGowan and the Pogues.
1: That's the great thing about yeah. the Pogues is, like Cody Ray, they're a bunch of like drunk Irishmen. Who knows if all these stories are true, but they just tell so many stories. They're just so good at building the lore of the band.
0: Also, when you look at the lyrics for this song, these are some incredible lyrics.
1: So, I wanted you know, to—I forgot about this. Uh,
0: uh, happy Happy Christmas, you're ours. I pray God it's our last. Like, that line is so good. Go ahead.
1: I mean, I think one of the best—I could have been someone, well, so could anyone. Like, that is, like, a perfect line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you just reminded me. I saw Nick Cave do one of his Q and As last year, and someone asked about the collaboration he did with Shane McGowan. And Nick Cave said that a couple years ago he went over to Shane McGowan's house uh, just to like catch up or whatever. And Shane McGowan's had a lot of like a lot of like alcohol problems, substance abuse problems. I think he got injured somehow and is like in a wheelchair now. He's only, like, in his early 60s, but he's not very healthy at all, and I don't think he's had much creative output since, like, the mid-90s. He just kind of became a recluse, and Nick Cave said he was over at his house, and they were having lunch or something, and he's sitting in the living room, and there's just, like, trash, little, little piles of trash everywhere, like, he's just not taking care of the place, and... Uh, Shane goes to use the bathroom or something, and Nick Cave starts like poking around in these like little trash files, and there's all these little scraps of paper, <laughs> and he starts looking at these scraps of paper, and he said there's just like the most beautiful lyrics, just all this amazing poetry, on these little thing scraps of paper everywhere, and Shane gets back from the bathroom or whatever, and Nick Cave is like, yo, what's up with all? All this, like, lyrics, this is incredible. Are you working on new music? Like, what is this? And Shane McGowan's just like, I just write little poems and throw them away. That's just what he does. He just writes these amazing poems and throws them in the trash pile. It's a really sad, you know, kind of like Brian Wilson, just like a sad story of someone who burnt out really young.
0: There's such a fine line with artists and you know writers and musicians with this kind of stuff where yeah i mean at one point in your life you want to share everything that you can and you're hoarding all this material and then you get to a point where you like feel like you just you just like like i just can't imagine he just probably has a check coming in every month or every week or something and he's just like okay cool i'm set and he it's as if you've like he's like lost the will to create which is really frightening to me cuz i basically that's the only thing that besides my family you know haley and blue and my mom and jeff to an extent there's not much other reason to st- so i think that's that's really sad it's always it's always really sad here especially when people like just put trash everywhere in their house like that is such a bad sign i hope i wish him the best i hope he does okay i hope he gets it out and maybe puts out a record or something
1: yeah it'd be great i know the pokes they've done reunion shows like in the early 2010s and you know they're still in their 60s they could still reunite for real and make a record that that would be great it'd be great if shane mcgowan could you know kind of have one last run um but yeah, that's Fairy Tale New York. It's as Christmassy as Christmas gets. We want to do a full on Christmas episode in a couple days. We'll be releasing a little mini episode of a Nick Cave B side. We'll let you guys ponder on what that could be for a few days. But do you have any like any further thoughts on the song?
0: No, uh, it's a ten out of ten for me. Uh, it's one of my favorite Christmas songs now. Um, the only thing I wanted to add as a little thing is that uh, Kirsty McCall, who does the female vocals of the duet, is f- a phenomenal singer. There's yeah, some great I mean, instrumentation going on here, and I think Shane McGowan has sure. one of the greatest punk voices. I mean, he has such a good voice. So that's it's all it
1: that perfect, from. like... It just, he sounds so drunk all the time. I don't know if he is or not. And, like, he can hit notes, but he like chooses not to. It's that, like special kind of singer who like you could tell he can't
0: christmas Day, it's not that he
1: doesn't know how to sing he's like conscious he's like doing it on purpose and it's so good but yeah i i
0: okay I, last thing i'll say in sort of like wrapping up what we talked about in the beginning too is that we all love nick cave here but i think in a lot of ways i'm critical of how he talks about these kind of like more current event issues like you know we've we've talked in the past about like what he said about in regards to like israel palestine stuff and i don't agree with everything he says there and here i i think you know dude like i'm glad that he is still outspoken and has an opinion, but. Unfortunately, Nick, I just don't think you're the voice of reason for this song, and I respect your opinion, but I don't necessarily think you're the kind of guy that gets to make the decisions on this kind of thing, you know?
1: And to be fair, someone Last thing. asked him the question, and he was responding to it. It's not like he just said it out of nowhere, but yeah. I I, yeah. I do... He wasn't just, like, ranting about I it. I do get what you're saying. I think a lot of the things he said, I agreed with the heart of what he was saying, but sometimes the way he says it, it kind of verges on that uh, Abe Simpson, like old man yelling at Cloud thing. You know what I'm talking about? How would you? get my But, you know, I don't think I hold no ill will towards Nick Cave. Obviously, we do this podcast and I think in the most part, he was in the right. It's just how he was presenting it. Um, but yeah, to wrap it up. I agree with Jake. This is a 10 out of 10 song to me. I think this is a perfect Christmas song. This is everything you want in a Christmas song, unless you want a Christmas song that you can play around your small children. So, yes. thank you all for
0: listening. If you want to play a Christmas song around small children, play Baby It's Cold Outside.
1: Wink, wink. Maybe that song's a little rapey. I don't know.
0: Just kidding! Don't play that around, kids. <laughs> put, play, play, uh, put on those old Rudolph the Rain, R- R- Rudolph the Nose Reindeer cartoons, and those are good. All right, peace out, everybody. Thanks Jubilee Street Pod at gmail.com. I'm Jubilee Street Pod on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Happy Christmas. Yeah, I mean Christmas. We still got a but wow